Katie Books Productions presents Lenny Gray, an audio drama written, produced, and narrated by Earl Sewell. Previously on Lenny Gray. Lenny Gray was sweaty and tired from all the pushing and bearing down she had already been doing, but she took a hold of Miss Lucy's hand and screamed and pushed some more for what seemed like an eternity. Finally, she heard Ida say, I gotta. Oh, you didn't had a pretty baby girl. Let me see ya. Lenny Gray reached for her baby. After Ida and Lucy cleaned away the afterbirth and severed the umbilical cord. What did you and Curly name her? Ida asked. I don't know yet. We ain't had a chance to talk about it none. Lenny Gray said looking at her daughter for a long moment before offering one of her breasts for feeding. Well, you'll get all cleaned up and then I'll send one of the young girls for Curly. Ida said, caressing the sign of the baby's face with her index finger. I think I'll tell Curly I want to name her Mary after his grandmother. That's a nice name. You don't want to name her after your own mother, Janet Pearl? Ida asked. No, I want to name her Mary. was over, and soldiers were returning home to go on with their lives. When they returned home, they discovered that government spending on military arms was winding down, and competition for jobs was fierce. For the first time, white men had to compete with black men for factory jobs. Anger over this turned into hostility, and black communities nationwide became the target of violence and frustration by angry white mobs. There were so many outbreaks of violence in the summer of 1919 that the newspapers called it the Bloody Summer. The shock of the Bloody Summer reached the citizens of Tallahatchie County in late September when the news of the murder of Will Brown, one of its former citizens, hit the community like a thunderbolt. Everyone on the plantation gathered in front of his empty shanty to pay respects and mourn the loss of their friend. I tried to tell him not to go to Omaha, said Floyd, a fair-skinned man with brown freckles and woolly hair. He placed a copy of a newspaper on the porch of Will's old shanty. The newspaper had a photo of Will's charred body laying on the ground strapped to a lamppost. His chest had been cracked open, his legs were no longer on his body, and his face had been burned beyond recognition. 
Surrounding him was a mob of white men posing proudly for the camera and admiring the horror that they had given birth to. Will just couldn't done what they say he did. He was such a gentle man and wouldn't hurt a fly. It don't make no sense that some white woman made up a lie about him raping her, remarked Mrs. Hanks. She was as thin as a blade of grass and standing with her twin daughters who were four years old. I personally didn't know the man, but it's a damn shame what they did to him. People running out of the south to these big cities thinking ain't no harm going to come to him. I say, the more people that's around, the bigger chance that something might happen to you, said Curly as he took a swig of moonshine. I knew him from way back. He was a simple man. All he ever talked about was trying to do better for herself, remarked Ida as she placed a pinch of tobacco in her mouth. He should have stayed right here in Mississippi and worked the fields. I knew something bad was going to happen to him. I just felt it in my spirit, said Floyd, accepting an offer to enjoy some of the moonshine that Tom and Curly had. Yep. Ain't nothing any of us can do. Seem like as soon as you try to do something in life, life will cut you down and keep its foot on your neck, said Tom, pausing and rubbing the back of his neck. He had surrendered to this line of thinking. That internal narrative he told himself was unbreakable and one he had often shared with Curly. Once the sharecroppers on the plantation expressed their anger, heartbreak, and helplessness, they grew weary and grudgingly accepted their lot in life. They walked back to their shanties where misery, unavoidable suffering, and family were waiting for their return. The following day, once the sun disappeared and people began heading back from the field, Lenny Gray decided that her hair, which was bundled in a headscarf, needed washing because of the heavy sweating she'd done from hard labor and the odor that followed. When she arrived at the shanty that she and Curly called home, she got a small bowl, filled it with water, and washed her hair. When she was done, she decided to sit on the front porch in a chair and braid her hair and oil her scalp with a small cylinder of petroleum jelly she'd borrowed from Ida. It was one of the few beauty luxuries that the women shared. Stepping onto the porch, she repositioned her chair so that she could sit. She unwrapped Mary, who was tied to her back in a sheet, and situated her so that she was face downward on her lap. She checked on Mary several times to make certain that she was doing well, before she allowed herself to relax and begin the process of fixing her hair. Before long, Lenny Gray saw Tangy May coming down the road, wearing a faded and well-worn green dress with sweat rings under the armpits. Her feet were bare, and she was limping a little. A warm smile formed when Lenny spotted Tangy, who she longed to spend time with. When she arrived at Lenny Gray's shanty, she offered to help her with her hair. Lenny Gray tried not to accept the help because she knew Tangy was exhausted. But Tangy positioned herself behind Lenny Gray and began working. You know, you have some real pretty hair, Lenny. It's so straight and long. I wish I had hair like yours. I got it from my mother's people. They were from Louisiana. And you know that my mama was passing for why. Lenny Gray 
allowed herself to imagine what her mother's privileged life must have been like. You never knew your mother, right? said Tangy May, recalling the many times that she and Lenny Gray talked about their parents when they were growing up. Nah, Tangy, I didn't. She died on me. I came into the world just as she was leaving it. I wish I had got a chance to know her. Lenny Gray sighed as she checked on Mary. She looked at Mary's hair and was thankful that it was the same grade as hers. Ida cut some of Mary's hair and buried it under her in Tom's place and told me I should bury some of it under mine. Alarmed, Tangie May asked, What she do that for? She say that if you take a baby's hair and bury it under the house, the child will always be around. She say that the child will never leave its people, and that's important, especially when folks start getting on up in age and need the youngins to help take care of them. She also said that when you bury their hair, it will keep bad spirits from harming them. Hmm, you think something like that works? Shrugging her shoulders, Lenny Gray said, I don't rightly know. Since I ain't never know my ma or grandma, ain't nobody ever told me nothing like that. At least not until Ida did. So, she believed in it. So, I guess it works. Hmm. Well, when I have me some children, I don't want them to be stuck like that, Lenny. I've been hearing things about big cities up north that would just make your heart fly as high as the sun. What are you talking about, Tangie? Who you been letting get inside your ears? Lenny Gray asked, glancing over her left shoulder and up at Tangie May. I hear people talking in the fields. They got family up north and they get worried about good jobs and things like that. Curly, Tom, and Ida say people be lying about that sort of stuff. Don't go get your head filled with a bunch of foolishness like I did. I ain't never seen or heard such a thing for black folks. And I ain't never met a black person from a big city. So, like Curly told me, it ain't real. Tangie May's heart and feelings fell out of her chest and into a dark hole. For a moment, she felt lower than a toad in a well because Lenny Gray's words snatched her dream from her. Tangie sniffled and tried to fight back her tears, but she couldn't. Teardrops fell from her cheeks and splashed on to Lenny Gray's bare shoulder. Pivoting in her seat, Lenny Gray turned to face Tangie May's brokenness. I didn't mean nothing by it, Tangie. I didn't mean to hurt you none. I was just, I don't know what I was doing. But hey, my words no mind. Curly always telling me I talk too much. I just thought you would understand is all. I know you used to want to go to a big city, and I thought that you would think it was a good idea for me someday. I do, Tangie. It's just that, well, Curly didn't sort of beat that thing out of me, and I just can't tell what my dreams are no more because I'm so busy trying to make him happy. You understand what I'm trying to say, don't you, Tangie? Tangie May nodded her head as she continued to work on Lenny Gray's hair. If you can make it to a big city, Tangie, I want you to go. Then you can come back and tell me all about it. Okay, whispered Tangie May, but 
could not bring herself to stop shedding tears for several moments. After a long while, Lenny Gray pushed aside the silence between them. Tangy, Lenny Gray spoke gently. Did you know that Mary is the woman who gave birth to Jesus? Yeah, I, I know that. Why are you asking me that question? Tangy May's voice trembled momentarily. Because before we came here, Tom and Curly were talking about the devil and how much he didn't help them more than Jesus. I figure with a holy name like Mary and the fact that I believe in Jesus, the devil think twice before trying to bring harm to my child. I knew that Curly was a little short on the uptake, but I didn't realize he went so deep as to play with the devil. Tangy May noted with judgment in her voice. I mean, you and I both done seen what happened back in Alabama when the evil was running the earth and killing folks. Don't make no sense to me to play with something like that. I know. It don't sound good to be married to a man that does stuff like that. But now, I ain't got no choice. But I figure like this. If he wants to do that, let him. But I ain't gonna let his foolishness cuss our child. Have you had the preacher baptize Mary yet? Tangimay asked as she made a line with a comb down the center of Lenny Gray's head. She separated her hair into two sections, one on the right and one on the left. Her tears had stopped flowing, but left white salty lines as evidence of their liquescence and subsequent drought. Not yet. I plan on doing it this coming Sunday, Lenny Gray said, shifting Mary. Lenny Gray, what happened to them cars y'all left Alabama in and come here with? I've been meaning to ask you ever since I got here, but it keeps slipping my mind, Tangime asked and stopped momentarily to blow her nose. They took them, Lenny Gray said, watching Mary stir in her sleep. She looks so peaceful laying on me. She must know that I'm a good mother to her. Sometimes I imagine that had my mother lived, she would have taken care of me like this. It's hard trying to be a mother when I ain't never had a mama of my own to show me how to be one. Sometimes I feel like I'm stumbling and making mistakes and fear that I might break this poor little baby. Then, other times, I wonder if she'll be a good little girl who catches on to things quick. I don't want her to be slow or nothing like that. And Tangy, let me tell you, sometimes this little girl looks into my eyes and I swear she starts moving her lips like she's starting to try to talk. She ain't been here all that long and she already got something to say. Then, there's your answer, Lenny. If she's ready to talk before she knew what words are, then she must be quick when it comes to learning things. Lenny Gray smiled. Look at her, Tangy May. Ain't she pretty? Yep, she is a pretty baby, but she was born into an ugly world. Tangy May sneezed. Lenny Gray immediately shielded Mary from her germs. You ain't coming down with that flu, is you? Oh, Tangy, please tell me you ain't got it. I done already lost my daddy to it, and I don't want to lose my child or you to it. Lenny Gray stood up and stepped away from Tangy May. Of course I ain't got that. If I had such a thing, you know I wouldn't come around here near you and the baby. Give me some credit for having some kind of sense, Lenny. I'm sorry. I just got scared, I guess. Lenny Gray relaxed and sat back down.
I could understand that, Tanjime said, trying not to allow her face to give birth to bruised feelings. Once Lenny Gray was situated again, she continued to style her hair. Now, tell me, what happened to them cars? You didn't answer my question. I told you, they took them, Lenny Gray replied. Who? Who you think? Mr. Bettis took them? Tanjime asked. Yep, and Curly wasn't happy about that. He told me what happened the following morning after Mary was born. What'd he say? He say, Tom went to see the boss man, Mr. Bettis. When he got there, Mr. Bettis asked Tom if he come here in a car. I guess news spread real fast around here if a Negro pull up in a car. Curly was so full of pride when he drove up in it. He said, I bet black folks ain't never seen other black folks driving in cars like these. Probably not. Tangemi agreed. I got here with my daddy by train, and we walked a long time before we found our way to this place. The way you come was probably the best way. It didn't draw too much attention to you. Lenny Gray once again repositioned Mary. Finish telling me what happened. Tom told Mr. Bettis the truth, that he had come here in a new car. Then Mr. Bettis say that it went against the natural order of things for a black man to have a car same as a white man. What Tom say to that? Tanjimi asked. From what Curly told me, Mr. Better started asking a heap of questions about the cars and how he got money to put gas in them. Where did Tom get the money from? Tanjimi asked. He took it. The money was in the Quinney's house. Tom say he was next to Kim when he took it and that the Quinney's was dead and didn't need the money or the cars. Oh... Tanjime let the word pass through her lips slowly as she came to understand what Tom had done. Tom told Curly that Mr. Bettis say he would let him stay and work for him, but he couldn't offer him any kind of protection. Mr. Bettis say that white people around here will get mighty mad when they see a black man driving a car and will complain to his brother, who's the sheriff. Mr. Bettis say that the sheriff might get the idea in his head that the cars were stolen. If that happened, everybody would be arrested and had to go before the county prosecutor, who is Mr. Bettis' cousin. Then, Mr. Bettis asked Tom if he had something called a bill of sale for the cars to prove that they was legally his. Tom didn't have no papers like that and told Mr. Bettis that he and his family would leave. Then, Mr. Bettis said, that the sheriff might get the idea even stronger that the cars are stolen and chase him. If a high-speed chase happened, Tom and Curly would run out of gas and be arrested. And if that happened, they could end up on the chain gang or dead. Tom understood how important protection was and couldn't see any way out of what he had just walked into. He had protection from the Klan and the law through them Quinnies back in Alabama. So... He told Mr. Bettis he could have the cars in return for protection and to stop asking questions about the bill of sale papers and to let things be. Then Mr. Bettis say the kind of protection he needed cost more than two cars. Mr. Bettis say that it would cost money. Tom didn't want to give Mr. Bettis the money for protection because he wanted to use it to sneak away and start over. So what Tom do? Tangie may ask. Curly told me that Tom had to give up the money and that if he didn't, 
we'd all be dead or in jail by now, and nobody would care. I think when Tom had to give up everything that was rightfully his by birthright, something inside of him broke because he ain't been the same since, and he and Ida been trying to make the best of things. Tom couldn't even keep just a little bit of the money? Disappointment followed Tangy May's question. Tom kept some of it, but not much. It's all gone now, and we just share crop like everybody else. They've been making a little money making moonshine on the side, and got up enough money to get two stoves, so I don't have to cook over a campfire no more. For real? You was getting a new stove? Tangy May asked excitedly. It will be used and won't be nothing fancy, Lenny Gray professed. Anyway, the way I see it, Mr. Bettis is going to get all of the money back that he give us for working his place. We got to buy food and clothes and everything we need from the store Mr. Bettis owns. Mr. Bettis say there's a law that say colored folks working his land got to buy all their goods from him and nobody else said Lenny Gray, feeling a frown of defeat yanking at the corners of her mouth. I just don't understand why black folks can't have nothing in this here world, Tangie May remarked as she continued braiding. Curly say he gonna start talking to the devil more often and ask him for help. Curly shouldn't fool with no stuff like that. He's gonna cuss his generations, Tangie May said unapologetically. I know. That's why I pray day and night. I figure if he gonna call on the devil, I'll call on Jesus and make it an even fight. Well, you better pray for some angels to help out because the devil fights dirty. Just look at how he did back in Alabama. He took plenty of souls. Tangime said, noticing the sound of Lenny Gray sniffling. Is you okay, Lenny? I'll be all right. I guess a little upset with Curly sometimes is all. And we work us so hard for nothing. Lenny Gray filled her cheeks with air and then exhaled slowly. I think maybe you should take a break from working in the fields, Tangie May suggested. If I don't help Curly out in the field, we're going to starve. It ain't like it was here in Alabama like it was in Mississippi. Everybody got to work. Tom told me one day that Mr. Bettis is the kind of man would make a newborn baby work if he could. Yeah, that's how it was for me. I started working at fields as soon as I was old enough to carry a sack. Tangie May swept her bare foot across a plank to remove a clump of dirt that had attached itself to the ball of her foot. Hmm, bottom of my foot itching. I must be going someplace new, said Tangie May, speaking her superstitious belief aloud. <laughs> You're not going nowhere. You just needs to wash your dirty feet. Lenny Gray and Tangie May laughed. My feet ain't all that dirty. Tangie May responded playfully. Pausing for a moment, she asked, How curly like being a daddy? Just fine, I suppose. He don't hold the baby much. Say he's scared he might make a mistake with her because she's so small. He say he'll wait till she gets bigger to play with her more. He needs to start learning how to handle a little baby like Mary. Suppose you take sick. What's he going to do then? Tangie May asked. Look at me and ask me when I plan on getting any better. Lenny Gray chuckled, but knew that what she had said was the whole truth. How you like your new place? 
Tenjime asked. Ain't much to it. It's small, but Curly said he gonna build us a bigger place once he locates some government property to buy. I don't see how he's going to do that with no money, but I don't fuss at him because I don't like the way he look at me when I ask questions. Seem like whenever I try to talk with some sense, he take it so personal. And thinks that I'm trying to make him feel bad like he ain't doing all that he can. You sound like living with Curly ain't all that easy. Tangie may begin working on another braid. It ain't Tangie. I try to be mindful of his ways, but he don't seem like he cares much about what I think or how I feel. Sometimes he has my mind going every which way with confusion. I think as long as you do the best that you can, everything will turn out just fine. Tangie may said as she finished braiding Lenny Gray's hair. She sat down on the floor besides Lenny Gray and looked out into the darkness of the night. Keep praying, Lenny. Ask God to help you. Tangimei remarked as she brought her knees to her chest. I will. You want to hold a baby for a little while? Sure. Tangimei stood up and carefully took Mary out of Lenny Gray's arms. Have a seat. I need to move around because my back don't feel so good when I sit for a long time. Tangimei sat down and looked at Mary curiously. I didn't want to come here. Lenny Gray spoke softly. You didn't? Tangimei said as she counted Mary's fingers. Nah, Lenny Gray said. I wanted to keep moving until we got up north. I ain't said nothing to Curly or Tom, but had we kept going until we got up north, we would still have a cause. We could have slept in them until we found a place to live. I would have done that, and I would have made that work. I would be scared to do driving like that, Tangimei admitted. I'm scared all the time now, Tangimei. Being scared ain't nothing new to me. Lenny Gray sighed as she touched her hair. Well, ain't nothing you can do about that now. You just gotta dig your heels in and carry your part of the load and take a little time for yourself every now and again, Tangimei said as she began to hum a spiritual tune. You know something, Tangimei? You seem like you done matured a little bit since you left Alabama. You think so? She smiled. Her teeth were yellow and her gums were red with inflammation, but she displayed them proudly. You sound like you have. Probably because I'm holding Mary. Maybe some of her smarts done already rubbed off on me just that quick. I wish I could do more for her, Tangy. I really wish I could. I know that life ain't gonna treat her good. And... It ain't gonna treat none of us any good, really, when I think about it. I keep asking God, the moon, the stars, and everything I could think of why it's got to be this way. But I ain't got no answer yet.
Hello, everybody. This is Earl Sewell, author, creator, and narrator of the podcast called Lenny Gray. I wanted to take a moment to come back and give you an update on the number of countries or people in countries around the world who are tuning into this podcast. I wanted to take a moment to thank each of you individually by calling out your country name. And here they are in no particular order. The U.S., Canada, Panama, Colombia, South America, Argentina, South America, Brazil, South America, Iceland, Spain, France, England, the Netherlands, Morocco, Italy, Greece, Hungary, Turkey, Iran, Russia, Bulgaria, Pakistan, the United Arab Emirates, Kenya, Zambia, South Africa, Nigeria, India, Thailand, Indonesia, the Philippines, Australia, New Zealand, Laos, Japan, and Sweden. Thank you all for tuning into the show. I hope that you're enjoying it. Also, you can help support the show by spreading the word about it. Please feel free to share this podcast with friends. Also, make sure to leave a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time, from my mouth to your ears, happy listening. All the best, Earl Sewell.